Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast. My name is Paul Mann and I will be hosting the show today. Well, it's another summer edition of the podcast and I've been joined by Sam Stevenson. Hello, Sam. Hello. I've also been joined by Alex Everson. Hi. Good evening. So, straight into the transfer action that we've seen in the last few weeks since we've done one of these. Uh, We've seen Michael Morrison come in. We've seen Charlie Adams come in. But most of all, we've seen Matt Miazga come back. Um, I think that's the one that we should all talk about first, even though he is the most recent. On a level of excitement, Sam, where were you when you realised that was definitely going to happen? Um, I was excited. Um, and I think, I don't know, it just brought a level of reassurance, right? I think the summer has been testing for most Reading fans. Um, and I think there's been a level of fear and insecurity knowing that we've gone, you know, off the back of a, a pretty good end to last season. We've lost most of the players that contributed to that. And Miazga obviously being one of them. Um, but yeah, being able to bring a player like that back in, knowing that he already understands the philosophy style of play the players it'll be playing with I think it's a uh yeah I mean that's probably the biggest signing of the summer so far um I also want to very quickly mention that you forgot to mention Virginia as well oh uh, yeah but the problem is I mentioned on the previous podcast oh see he yeah, already signed you what, see so what, what? Yeah, <laughs> my bad um okay no yeah. no Miazga great signing Move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, Miazga's just been there. Uh, I didn't think that was going to happen at all. Did you expect that to happen, Alex? No. Uh, to be honest, I thought Miazga was probably the least likely, the second least likely player out of those loan players we had in January to come back after Martinez. So I'm quite surprised that we've managed to get him and none of the others as of yet. Perhaps maybe we'll get one of them. Hopefully Ajaria. Fingers crossed, but it's looking unlikely at the minute. Yeah, that one would come on to be a later. Be uh, I was really surprised that we got him on a green. Martinez was above him in the list for least likely. Um, it's just so good for Liam Moore to have him next to him. It's going to help the whole team. I put out a tweet uh, pretty much uh, straight after he signed, saying that if we could have a back for theoretically this season at some point of Obita and I know about his injury and I know he's been out for so long before you all start saying that and if you had Miazga more in Yadam that is a very good defence for a championship team do you think we're going to play four at the back given that we all um, said Morrison like it, well, I don't, yeah, well I don't we could come on to him you see that's the thing I know, no I know I'm just yeah. I, and I know we haven't mentioned him yet but, the, but yeah I mean bringing in two defenders who are expecting to start and then promoting more to captain at the same time, you know, 
it's going to be it, uh, hopefully it doesn't cause issues but yeah I, I can't see us bringing in any of those three um and and leaving them on the bench or you know I don't know what you guys think but no I think Michael I think you're right I think we could definitely see three at the back if you had I'm not sure about Tyler Blackett and playing in a wing back position Yadam that is that's his kind of dream play, position to play I actually think I think Blackett suits a, a wing-back position quite nicely. Uh, I seem to remember, not last season, the season before under Stam, Blackett really struggled in a back four. Whereas when, when he played in the centre of a back five, he looked very strong. I'm not sure we ever saw him play left wing-back, but I can't see why he would struggle with that too much because he's got less defending to do, realistically. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I think when Tyler Blackett normally crosses the ball and with his decent crosses, it's deeper. It's not normally near the byline, if I yes, remember back. Yes. So his position on the pitch would be further up and his crossing area would be more in the final third. But who knows? He could still be good there. Michael Morrison, obviously we have signed as well, which Sam brought up as well. Over 500 games he's played in a senior career. He's... Played the last eight seasons in the Championship for Charlton and Birmingham. He was their captain. I've seen kind of a lot of Birmingham fans saying that they're kind of upset that he didn't stay there. That he wanted to have a two-year contract, which we've given to him. They only offered him a one-year. Um, I, I have to admit, I had to look him up. I don't remember him whilst he was playing for Birmingham. Do either of you remember him at all? Not really, to be honest. No. Not hugely, no. No, but I suppose that is maybe a good sign. Most Birmingham fans say he's really a good defender, but not great on the ball. Scores uh, a lot of goals, though, by all yes. accounts. Yeah, seven goals last season. The we've missed so. You know, we haven't had a defender who can get goals in recent years, right? Um, not, not since the last maybe, Morrison. Mor well, yeah, yeah, I was going to yes, say Sean Morrison. Right. Um, and Pierce used to get a few as well. And, yeah, we haven't had that for a while. So that'd be exciting. Corners it would be nice to see a again. Off score, wouldn't it? It would yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, Liam Moore and his one goal last season. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to get a few more... Than that, um, I do wonder if we do play all three about who's going to play in our midfield, um, especially if you're going to see one of the other new signings in there, Charlie Adams. I wouldn't necessarily say mobility is one of his strong points. I would say technical ability and set pieces is absolutely brilliant on. Alex, Charlie Adams, what did you think of that signing? I don't really understand the signing particularly uh it, it seems like a bit of a bold they're not bold but it just seems like a bit of a an out there signing it from left field it, he he hasn't really played very much football for the last two years for stoke and most stoke fans seem to have the opinion of the fact that he's kind of passed it his legs have gone um and he's not really got it anymore i mean a lot there's a, it's similar, though, to when Ian Hart came in, I think. There was a lot of people who kind of wrote him off straight away. And obviously, Ian Hart actually became massively important in that season. We, we won the league. I don't really expect Charlie Adam to do the same thing. I, I think he's probably going to end up being a squad filler for the, and sitting on the bench most weeks. Um, I, I can't see... I don't really see him displacing Rinomota in the side. Or Swift particularly, so I'm not really sure where he fits in. I think he's going to end up being a bench player a lot of the time. Uh, his set piece ability is, is, I mean, I assume it's still 
going to be good. You know, but you can't really tell because obviously he's played 15 games of football in two years. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a major worry with a signing like that. One thing is, there's only one year contract. We haven't so fallen into the trap on that. Like yeah. that's been our issue over the last few years, right? Giving players who are there's no proof that they're still worthwhile, silly contracts that have cost us, you know, this summer. Um, uh, so yeah, I think I think you know it is a strange signing. Um, possibly, you know, with a few young players in midfield, he's been brought in to help in potentially the same way that O'Shea did last season, maybe. Um, the fact that it's only a one-year deal, you know, means to me, I, I don't know, it doesn't worry me as much as some others. Um, but we'll see, I guess. It doesn't hurt having extra players in the squad, given uh, given the lack of players, you know, towards the end of last season and as the low knees kind of left. Um, midfield was definitely a position that we looked light in. Um, with some inexperience and, you know, Swift, who's not going to be, you know, running around, uh, winning the ball back. And, uh, you know, we needed someone in there who had a bit of experience. And I, it does it does kind of strike me as a bit of a Miler type signing, to be honest. Um, but as you said, it's a year. So if it doesn't work out at the end of the season, he's gone. And if we end up freezing him out halfway through the season, it doesn't feel quite as detrimental as the players that are currently frozen out of the squad. Yeah, no, I totally agree with all of that. Um, if you're giving out two-year contracts to a player like that, I'd say that's a really poor signing. Um, he's going to come to us maybe with a point to prove. This is what you hope. He's got the motivation. I don't think he'll be playing that he's often. He's only 33 as well. He's not like a 38-year-old. You know, I'm not I'm yeah. not saying... I find that surprising, don't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know... Yeah, it could be a lie. Um, but, <laughs> no, I don't think uh, it's a lie. Just no, no, I know. I just, I'm just thinking back to the uh, Nigerian football scandal where you had all these players coming over saying they were born in, you know, 88 and they were born in the 70s. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, realistically, um, you know, he's got a point to prove. He's, he's not that old. Um, he might still have something in the tank. And even if it's just for cup games and, you know, that January grind when, you know, we might see a few injuries creep in. I'm okay with it. Um, and you never know if it works out, he might get an extension. If it doesn't, we part ways and that's it. So I'm not super worried about that. No, no, I'm not hugely worried. One thing is um, the set pieces for the last few seasons at Reading have been absolutely abysmal. There hasn't been anyone who's been able to consistently take a good set piece. Um, probably the one player who was any good last season has now left us was Lewis Baker. Mm -hmm. It's just no one there at all because we were just talking about Morrison and he's a player who could get goals, but if the ball's nowhere near him... If a beat is fit. A beater used to be a yeah, good across. Yeah, yeah, that, that's hit. true. Yeah, no, definitely. And we don't know what Elise could do. If he's sure. going to be playing matches, maybe he could be the answer as well. So let's move on to the players that have actually left. There's only one really, and that is Mark McNulty, who's gone to Sunderland on a season-long loan. Um, you've got to say, on a club size, he's gone for an upgrade, hasn't he, really? <laughs> yeah. He definitely has. Position-wise, in League One, no, definitely not. But McNulty, he's a player I can never quite understand why we signed him, because he never fitted into the system that we were going to play under Paul Clement. And he, Gomez, he doesn't fit at all, but he didn't sign him. Um, how do you think he's going to do in League One, Alex? Uh, I think he would do quite well in League One, but I think he's going to struggle at Sunderland. Sun uh, like Sunderland's main problem last season was they weren't very creative. 
they really relied on Aidan McGeady and um, I can't remember this, uh, their other winger, but Aidan McGeady got them a lot of goals from outside the area. And, and realistically, they don't... Just putting McNulty up front isn't going to solve that. Um, it kind of feels a bit... They, I know they signed Will Grigg in January and he I think he scored like four goals for them. And McNulty seems like another just kind of throw it at the wall and hope it sticks signing at Sunderland, really. I'm not sure he's going to have like a... He's not going to have a breakout season where he scores 25 goals or anything for them. I mean, as far as I can... As far as I can kind of make out, I think he's just going to end up being a kind of a bit part player at Sunderland. No, I, I agree on Sunderland. My dad being a Sunderland fan originally, I've seen quite a lot of Sunderland and I totally agree with what you say there. They've had have zero creativity. Defensively, they're fine, but up front, they have absolutely nothing. And the players up front very rarely get the ball to actually score. So, they're all very talented players, though. That's the thing. They've got a lot of talented players up front. It's just the system that they play doesn't really allow for them to actually show it, particularly. I mean, talented players in the context of the fact they're in League One, of course. But, yeah, I don't think they really allow... The system they play just doesn't really allow for them to actually express that. No, ideally, he'd get goals and they'd want to sign him. That is the ideal scenario, isn't presumably, it? Presumably, they're going to... Um, they'll definitely be starting him because... I assume so. We, well, we wouldn't have let him go unless they were paying a high, high percentage of his wages because, I mean, obviously, we let him go to get him off the wage bill in some respects. So, I can't, I can't believe they're not paying a, a you know, 50-plus percent of his wages. And if that's the case... They would start, surely, you would have thought. Yeah, you would think so. You would think, think so. They've still, the thing is with Sunderland, they've still got their parachute payments this season and next season, I think, so they can probably afford to yeah, kind of okay. just just throw, throw money at players who might help them, not necessarily will help them. Because, I mean, they've still got... Yeah, they've still got Will Grigg playing up front for them. Charlie White played quite a lot of games for them last season. They've, they've got some strikers, but, I mean... It depends. Yeah, it really depends on what kind of formation they're playing on lining lining up in. Um, well, hopefully he will get some goals because yes, you know, fingers crossed. He hopefully gets a few goals before January, and he gets a move away. We get some cash in because we desperately need it because of financial fair play. It's not going to make any huge difference the amount that we get from McNulty. That's not going to change everything round, but every little bit counts. I feel like I'm starting up. A I, I do feel a bit sorry for the guy as well because we kind of picked him up from a club where he was doing incredibly well. Paul and they got promoted, of course. And yeah. he got compared to Adam LaFondra straight away, yeah. which is a kind of, you do that. I did it maybe have a kind of a little bit of support and hope for him. But when you looked at his record, one good season, it yeah. was not the same as LaFondra. But he didn't kick up a fuss. He just got on with it. You know, it didn't, by all accounts, he wasn't necessarily, well, maybe he was, but it didn't seem like he was causing issues behind the scenes, despite not really getting much in the way of game time. Um, and so, yeah, I just hope for him that it works out and he finds a club you know, that fits his style of football. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. We've also got three other players who we are super keen to get rid of. Uh, Gareth McCleary, Gunter and Myler. Now, those players bring up, um, whenever they tweet anything or put anything on Instagram, it gets an instant reaction. We've got the Gareth McCleary daily pics of training. Hmm. Um We've got Chris Gunter, not really, he doesn't one of them, but David Myler definitely puts it out there. It just gets a reaction straight away. I mean, if you're Chris Gunter or 
any of those three players, why would you be in a rush to leave? You've all been given really good contracts by Ron Gourley. Why would you? I feel like for McCleary and Gunter as well, the likelihood is you're, they're not going on loan anywhere, real, like realistically. They're, they're either leaving, leaving permanently or they're staying. And for McCleary and Gunter, who've been at Reading, what, six, seven years now? Where's the incentive for you to pack up your whole life, move across the country potentially to get a one-year contract on maybe half of the wages that you're on at Reading? Zero. And then in a year's time have to do the same thing. There isn't. There just isn't. I don't see the incentive for them to leave. And if it means, oh, they don't get to play football for one year, then it, like, their career's not over at the end of their Reading contract. They're, they're no. still able to move at the end of their Reading contract, go and pick up another year, two-year deal somewhere else and finish their career somewhere where they're actually going to be able to play. So I don't really see the incentive for them to move. Um, Myler is a bit less in that category, I think, um, although he's probably on stupid wages anyway. He's probably a little bit less in that category because he only came to Reading last season and obviously he only actually lived in inverted commas in Reading for whatever it was, six months before being packed up on loan to Coventry, who he didn't really get a game with either. So uh, Milo, maybe I could see moving, but at this point, it's difficult to see anybody who's going to want to take a, a risk on Milo who's actually going to give him any money. Like, I don't see a League One team particularly entertaining the idea of taking David Milo after last year of Coventry and he didn't really pull up any trees. And any League Two team, which any League Two team which wants to sign him, well, what kind of wages are they realistically going to be able to pay? For Myler, ten percent of his wages, twenty percent. It's not going to be, no. you know, it, it might save a hundred grand for the club over the year, but it's not going to save a fortune. No, it's, it's definitely not. Um, would either of you be surprised if you saw Chris Gunter or Gareth McCleary play again for Reading? I wouldn't be surprised if I saw them maybe get like a League Cup game or something like that here or there, but I don't think they'll be part of the part of the plans going mm. forward. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see McCleary on the bench at all during the season. Um, I know he didn't like go to Spain or anything, but we don't actually have that many options like no. going forwards. Re- re- like I mean, I know Barrow may take there. There's a couple of youngsters, but McCleary is say and Barrett there, haven't you? It does seem I'm like Barrett, sure. Barrett's yeah. like playing. Fairly regularly. Yeah, he seems to be really popular in the pre-season, doesn't he? But whenever I think of a player who does well in pre-season, I am always cautious and think of Scott Davis scoring a free <laughs> kick against Chelsea yeah. and what happened after that. It's kind of... Friendlies are great. They're nice. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think you can really take too much out of them, though. No, but we started... So we saw Barrett play against Birmingham last day of last season. And I think he looked reasonably good in that game he missed an absolute sitter if I remember but he played quite well um and then Gomez clearly likes him because he's persevered with him over the summer um and that might be because you know the squad isn't as packed out as he'd like it like it to be and he doesn't have the players that he needs and maybe if he did bring in I don't know another striker or winger Barrett would drop down the pecking order but at the moment he's getting a decent chunk of game time. So I think Gomez probably sees him as a player that he wants to use this season. I mean, we'll know really this weekend, right? Um, Whoever starts this weekend is likely to be in the running to start the week after. So, um, but I I wouldn't be surprised if, um, 
Barrett will at least be on the bench if not if not starting, and I think he's probably third or fourth choice winger at this point. And Elise Elise, however you say his name, um, same same boat. Like I think those two seem to be playing out wide, and they have they've got a lot of game time this summer. So um, Elise looks Elise, quality. He does. He does. Elise, whenever I've seen him, and when I saw him in the two competitive matches, he, you know, he looked a little bit kind of a bit too much at some points because he's so young. But technically, and his awareness of other players, the way that he Birmingham moves fast. Oh. Some, of the, some of the skills that he pulled up from that Birmingham game. And like, it's the kind of stuff that you're like, OK, that's pretty cocky for a senior player who's been playing for a few years to be doing that on like, you know, your home debut effectively. And, you know, or I think it was his home debut. Maybe he'd come on as a sub previously. I know he played away, but that's early in his career. And he's, you know nutmegging players and doing all sorts of little skills here and there and 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 that's not to take away from the fact that he played a pretty good all-round game uh that day so um i'm really excited to see what what we get from him this season um yeah i think he's he's definitely one of the bright sparks um hopefully uh, yeah definitely i'm not i'll be totally honest i'm not quite sure on barrett i don't see anything in him that stands out i'm not quite sure he's gonna make it but i'd be happily proven totally wrong and i hope he bags 20 goals this summer. <laughs> <laughs> you know? i'm not going to be one of these people he's uh, happy to be proven right on that i want him to prove me totally wrong so the one player we were talking about briefly very early who we would love to get back is ovi ajaria um that is looking quite unlikely but in the transfer market there can always be maneuverability you're never quite sure what deal's going to happen it can be twisted moved around all of a sudden, we can offer them, I don't know, something extra. Uh, it appears that Liverpool Dow don't want to loan him out. They want to sell him. They want £3 million for him. That immediately rules us out. There's no way you're going to be spending £3 million on anyone, are we, this summer? It's also really, well, it's also really weird to me that they're so eager to get rid of him for cash. Because I think, with him being so young, and the fact that he had a pretty good second half of the season last year, if you loan him out again... And he has another good season in the championship. Suddenly he's worth seven or eight million or 10 million, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that that plays any part in it. It just surprises me that they're so eager to get him off their books because he can't be costing them that much. I would know. Maybe I'm wrong. Not in the uh, Liverpool world. No, it's, I mean, they just won the Champions League. I know every bit of cash will be saying with financial fair play for ourselves, but... I mean, it's, from what you read and what you see, it seems that Ovi Ajaro wants to come back here. I mean, that in the case of Matt Miaska, Chelsea have already decided, yeah, let's let him go back there because if he plays really well, we're going to get a bigger fee for him for the logic you just used. I mean, how key would you say getting Ovi Ajaro back would be, uh, Alex? It would be a nice option, especially given that now Baker's gone to Germany for the season. There isn't... We are, we are weak in central midfield. The, the, I don't really think there's much, I don't think there's any other word you can really use for it. We're weaker than last season in central midfield, um, because I mean at the minute, what are the options? Swift and Rinomota. Hmm. Uh, no, that's I it. Agree. Charlie Adam. Yeah. Yes. One of the main reasons we stayed up last season was Baker and Ijaria, wasn't it? The midfield. Yeah. Yeah. I know we can go through the other loan signings, but without those two there, I mean, for me, Lewis Baker was the best loan signing. I know we can say Martinez and all the others, but he was just so integral to that team improving, just the way he controlled the ball, the game. Everything about him was just, 
too good for us, basically. And I can see I, why he's now in the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, I would really like us to to sign Ajaria, if only for the fact that we just have no depth at all. Uh, it, it, I don't even and necessarily. No only one player. No. Would you? Uh, and I mean, it's. It, I don't necessarily think if Ajaria signed that we'd suddenly go from being, you know, a team. We wouldn't. We wouldn't suddenly be pushing for the playoffs if we signed Ajaria, but it would give us a lot of. I think it would give a lot of fans a lot of reassurance if we went out and signed an. Act of, I mean, it doesn't have to be a Jari, but a central midfield player, because at the, I mean, if Swift or Rinomo to go down injured at the minute, Swift will I, at some point. Oh yeah, and that's the thing. Swift Swift has gone down every season he's played for us at some point for at least a month. There has not been a season yet where he hasn't been injured, and it's difficult to like what what formation do we play? Who who comes in if Swift gets injured now? Charlie Adam. You expect you, does Charlie Adam come in and play like seven games in a month? He's only played 15 games in two years. I, I can't see him being able to keep up with that. Uh, yeah, the the central midfield options really worry me uh, for yeah. Reading. I don't even I mean, know about uh, young players in the academy. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is, there, is some, there is some decent youngsters we seem to have. I, I really like the look of Jordan Holsgrove. Um, I know Ryan East plays on the wing and but he broke I think he broke his leg at the end of last season. Um and Loder's played attacking mid a few times as well. Like he played well he plays as like a ten almost but it, he looks good there so you can almost use him there if you have to but in terms of centre midfield you're absolutely right like the like Completely. We're very light, and it just it, yeah, it concerns me because as soon as we have an injury or suspension, or because it's going to happen at some point during the season, there just isn't the options at the minute. So I, I mean, we've got what a week left until the season starts. I would be very surprised if we get to Sheffield Wednesday next week and we haven't made a central midfield signing of some sort. Yeah, whether we also whether it's somebody yeah. else. No, I, I, I yeah, I, we also desperately need another striker. Because if you look at it, I know we can say we've got Danny Loder, we've got Novakovic, but between them, they've got one goal in the championship. Now, one of them could come through and get a lot of goals. I like the look of Danny Loder. I don't know anything about Novakovic. hasn't seen him live. Obviously, we all know he scored two goals in the Dutch top league last season. But that doesn't does that translate when you're playing in a team that's maybe struggling most weeks? I mean, I can't see us doing brilliantly this season. I hope I'm wrong, but... I mean, I the, the team he played for last season struggled in in the uh, in the area of the visas, and he did. I think he got nine or ten or something like that. This is okay. So yeah. it's not it's not a bad return. Um, but even then, you do worry a little bit that I mean, Bulldog is the only other striker we've got, and uh, I mean, I don't really think that he fits into Gomez's style particularly. He he needs to. He seems to be the type type of player who needs to have someone alongside him up front yeah and he's another ideal, one like Minolte. yeah and the well the ideal partner for Bulldog would have been Bod Larson in my opinion and Bod Larson's now left so yeah it's another place what left, Bulldog's yeah. plan is really for being at Reading now it I'm not sure he's going to be first choice and he's not really a particularly good plan b going on to Bod Larson that's a player who I personally would like mm. to have seen stay I know he's not a world beater, but he's someone to come off the bench and he will get you some goals. He was our top scorer the season before yeah. last, wasn't he? Um, which is, yeah. I mean, he's, it's funny for such a tall guy, he was never that great in the air. But 
Um, his all-round play was pretty good. He could hold the ball up fairly well. Um, and and you're right, he offered something that none of our other strikers offer. Um, and he is a link-up man. So actually, like you said, playing with Baldock up front. Or to be honest, you know, Loder or even Novakovic, um, being able to kind of hold the ball up and bring others into play a little bit, which, you know, we don't currently have. Um, that that genuinely worries me quite a lot. I think um, I don't, I don't see any of our strikers doing a good enough job um, when the ball, you know, when we're struggling in a game and we can't control the midfield and we need to start pumping balls long, we have no one up there who can bring the ball down and bring other players in. Um, we just don't have it at all. Well, the only, the only option, the only option that Gomez is going to have is to play Mate up front. But then yeah, that takes so much pressure on him, though, isn't it? So, yeah, exactly. Then you play Mate up front, and then you don't have any wingers. Like it just comes back to squad depth again. There's just no squad depth at all. No. You have maybe eleven, twelve, maybe thirteen players who Gomez is actually happy with. You have maybe three or four youngsters who he'll he'll be prepared to put in. But outside that, there is nobody. No, it is it's a major worry. I mean. I'm going to come on to uh, expectations for the season a little bit later, but uh, it is concerning at the moment. Hopefully we can, you never know the championship, which I always say at the start of the season, the season when we finished uh, third in the league and got to the player final, um, I think none of us would have expected anything like that. So you don't know if you get momentum. I want to move on to saying we're going to get playoffs. Oh yeah, that's what you're saying. And we're going to win. <laughs> and we're going to win, Sam, on penalties. <laughs> <laughs> and Liam Moore's going to score the winning one. Back heel it in. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Uh... <laughs> so on the Twitter, I asked for the top uh, three signings, summer signings we've ever made that you've seen, and the three flops. So Alex, what is your top three signings from the summer? Uh, I'm going to go Kevin Doyle, which is fairly predictable. I think most people pick, picked him. Um, I'm going to take Shane Long as another one. Again, probably fairly predictable. And I think the third one that I'm going to take, although I can't be certain that he was summer, uh, is Marcus Hahnemann. Oh, that is that's a long, long way back, and I don't know if he was summer or not. Oh, we go with it anyway. Doesn't matter. So Sam, I'll take, I'll take him. Um, I'm going to go Doyle. Um... Kit, was Kits in January or was Kits in summer? Kits was January. January. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, I'll go long. Stolen. Yeah. And uh, also, Inga Marson was summer, right? Or was he January? I yeah. yeah. I think he was summer. summer. Yeah. So I'm going to go Inga Marson. That is a nice one, Inga Marson. What a fine man he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know we've got quite a lot of centre-backs now, but I would love to have Inga Marson in his prime back. Yeah. Just... Yeah, he didn't need pace. He was just really good defensively. Yeah. And to win player of the season like he did, was it would he win it in the Premier League season? Yeah, or the first he, Premier yeah, League season. That's amazing to finish like we did. So my top three would be Dahl. I'd go for Simon Osborne from the Elm Park uh, years. He was just amazing in midfield. Just one uh, him and Gilfie Sigerson, the best creative midfielders I've ever seen for Reading. And uh, Jamie Curiton. I would go for as well. My oh, top that three. was one which I missed. James Jerson. He was quite important. He, he worked out quite well, quite nicely. An absolute <laughs> bargain. He was. Yeah. Uh, the flops. I'll go first on that one. I went for that. I'm going to do it backwards. I'm going to go Aluku. He's got to be up there as one of the biggest flops we've ever had. It's not his fault about the feed, but he was absolutely awful, even <laughs> though he still is with us. 
and go back to the Elm Park years, years one, go for Colin Gordon, who replaced Trevor Senior. Now, if you watch Reading at this point and then you saw Colin Gordon, it will bring tears to your eyes because he was so poor compared to Trevor Senior. It was like taking away your hero and replacing him with your nan. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> just awful. That's absolutely awful. And also, my number one would be Pogredniak for the biggest flop ever. Cost us the most money and just gave us absolutely zero, zero back. And I know you'll be listening to this thinking, oh, he scored that goal against West Brom. Uh, he was rubbish. He was absolute, oh, he was shit. And I don't <laughs> want to say absolute shit. Yeah. My long-term memory of, of Pogrebniak is when we played Bournemouth on a Tuesday night at, um, at Bournemouth and we were 3-0 down and he came on with 10 minutes to go, walked around. He, he walked around the penalty area for 10 minutes, wrote, uh, pulled his socks up and that was literally his entire contribution. Uh, and I rem- that's all I can remember. And I remember um, Dave Harris's report on the tireless end afterwards gave him a zero and I think it might be the only zero I've ever seen given uh from the tireless end and it, his yeah his report of, of Pogrebnet was absolutely scathing well he deserved it I didn't see that performance but for other performances he was absolutely the only redeeming factor about Pogrebnet is he gave us that top class documentary with his wife when they lived in London that was so weird such a weird look into the world <laughs> of professional footballers in their kind of crazy millionaire lifestyle. So, Sam, who were your three biggest flops? So, first for me was Drenthe. Not necessarily because we... I, I just think like he was a big name signing at the time. There was a lot of excitement. Um, I think he'd been on loan at Everton possibly the season before he came to us or the yeah, season uh, before that. Maybe, yeah, and yeah. he'd... He'd been he'd done okay in the Premier League, and you thought, okay, maybe you know, dropping down a level, he's going to be a world beater. Um, he saw flashes of brilliance, but he was awful, really, really awful. And um, you could just see him tiring out after about 30, 40 minutes every game. Um, really, really genuinely disappointing. Um, second was Marcus Williams, mainly because no one remembers who he is. Uh, came in. He was a left back yes. and he was just, I think he played, he had one or two games for us before it all fell apart and then he never played again. He put a couple of terrible performances. Did, didn't he get ousted by Sean Cummings for left I back? I think he did. I think he did. He was so, so bad. So, so bad. That is damning. I mean, Sean yeah. Cummings, he's a legendary player for that one performance at Cardiff yeah, and his chant, of- which we won't go through now. But... <laughs> um, um, and then, he's not even left footed no, he's, he's not but yeah Marcus Williams was truly dreadful um, go past the halfway line though would he he got so bad he got so much stick well that was around the time yes. I'm fairly certain at the same time we then signed possibly Joseph Mills as a follow up to Williams it was definitely around that time uh, but that, that's not my third just for the record he was also <laughs> poor um, and then lastly I think this one's pretty obvious but Emma Faye just because um he was our record transfer for a long period of time and most Reading fans never saw him play. Um, he had, yeah, a handful of performances um, in the Premier League and that was it. That was all we saw of him. He never really performed for us and he cost us a lot of money. Um, I remember him watching him play against West Ham at the Medeski 
and thinking, how much did we pay for him? <laughs> I think the thing is, by shocking. today's money, it's just like it's pittance. I think it was about three, two and a half, three million, something like that. But um, but it was but it was our record signing for a long period of time, and you kind of hold him to account just on on that, and he never gave us anything at all. Um, Plus, he refused to play in a friendly, didn't? In a yeah. reserve match with some yeah, in a reserve match, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sonko kind of got away with that because he had all the um, good stuff in credit, didn't he? Sick of football, wasn't he? Um... <laughs> Sick of football. Yeah, it's a tough life. It's a tough life. Who's your bottom, uh, well, your flops then, uh, Alex? Okay, so I'm going to pick three from our Premier League era. Um, MS Fay is number one, as for the reasons that you've just mentioned. Uh, number two is Greg Halford. Yeah. Wow. Does anybody remember him ever playing a game for Reading? He had a long throw. I saw him take a long throw once. I, I can I remember, I remember that. that. Yeah, a long throw. That is all I remember of Greg Halford. The, 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 <laughs> the things that people be able, seem to be able to remember about Greg Halford is he had a long throw and he got sold to Sunderland for the same amount we paid for him. And everybody thought that was very amusing. <laughs> yeah, Nicky Hammond. Yeah, again, doing his work. <laughs> he came in with a hell of a lot of fanfare, though. I remember a lot of player, people being really excited that he... Looked like he was going to be a solid option. He could play in a number of different positions. Um, and he scored a decent amount of goals. And I think people were like, wow, he's an all-rounder. This is going to be great. And then, yeah, he was just so, so bad. He was shunted out so quickly as well. He was just um, cracking all positions, wasn't he? In the Premier yeah. League, in the Tottenham game, he got substituted after, was it half-time or even before that? He was yeah, he yeah. was shocking. Yeah. I, do seem to, I do seem to remember, allegedly... Oh no! He had off the field issues as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll move swiftly Allegedly. on that one. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. Fill me enough for the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah, we don't. We, yeah, we won't even <laughs> go into that. <laughs> We're moving away. <laughs> so my third, my third choice. This one is maybe a little bit of a controversial one. I might get a bit of stick for it. Um, my third choice is Marek Matioski. No, I totally agree. Now, see, now the Marek Matioski one is a real one that splits opinion because I think he was a circus player. And there'd be people listening to this right now going, no, no. He was too he good. Was so for good it. on the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was yeah. too good, and the rest of the team just weren't good enough. They couldn't keep up with his talent. I reckon um, Sam's a fan. I, <laughs> I love him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, I can, I can, I understand both arguments, but I, yeah, I do fall into the, I just don't really see what he did. Uh, Great goal at Liverpool. He was, he was yeah, a really good goal at Liverpool. He was clearly quite a talented player, but he did not fit into the style of play at all, which was the major issue. And we paid quite a bit of money for him, if I remember. It must have been close to £2 million, something like that. And he didn't fit the style of play. It was almost just like we'd signed this. And it really, it was one of the first kind of signings we'd made from a from abroad as well, I think. Yeah. Or one of the first major signings we'd made from abroad alongside uh, MS Faye. And it was kind of one of the, uh, it was before, it was really before Twitter and social media had taken off. And there was, there was a lot of maybe, I'm not sure what the right word for it, maybe mystery to these signings still. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. obviously, yeah. Yeah. now you can go on online and find, find videos of a player within 10 minutes. This was still probably just as YouTube was kind of coming around mm. 10, what was it, 10, 12 years ago when he signed. And, can, I just, uh, 
Sorry, I'll wait till you're done. He was, yeah, he was, signed, he was signed with a lot of reputation, I feel, and didn't really ever live up to it. No, I'm, I, yeah, uh, you don't need to convince me of that argument against him. But I know for a fact that there's a lot of fans that really love him. You were going to say, Sam? Yeah, no, no, I was going to jump to someone else just because I, I didn't list this guy off. And I don't think he deserves to be on the list. But I don't know if you remember back in the early 2000s, we signed a guy called Omar Daly. Yes. Um, yes. And I Jamaican getting, winger. Yeah, so I remember <laughs> yeah. getting a text saying from Reading when they had their tech service, they were signing an international. It's so exciting. And then they were like, Jamaican international Omar Daly. And then we saw him play for us a few times and then he disappeared. <laughs> and I just wanted to mention him. That was it. Yeah, I just cool. wanted to put him in there, in the ether of uh, the podcast. Yeah. Another thing about Matioski, he also had a club, uh, kind of a sponsored car from a local garage. It was a Skoda. Now, I think this probably says a lot <laughs> about <laughs> Marek Matioski. There's an amazing photo of him somewhere. And if someone could find that, if they're listening to this, and just find, just post it to me on Twitter. It's just brilliant. He got a picture of him proudly stood there. Is that your name for today's podcast, Matiofsky Skoda? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you maybe you've got it. Yeah. I'll definitely spell check his name first, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So, back to the football season. We've obviously got Chelsea on Sunday. So, that's going to be... I think it's a really good friendly in many ways. Because it's just going to work us. Chelsea, mm-hmm. obviously... I mean, I know they beat a bang average Barcelona the other day. But, I mean... It's going to be tough for them to come to our place. Um, would you say three or four nil Chelsea, probably? Uh, I just think I think the goal here is, like you said, work work the team, have a good run out, try not to get smashed. Because I, I always think like this last pre-season friendly is always a little risky because if you get destroyed, I know you can always say they're a better team than us, but you don't want to go into the season off the back of a four or five nil defeat, right? Um, was it against Palace last season? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember being with Sam after that match and during it, and that was miserable. Yeah, it? and it, it rained and it was horrible and it was yeah. But yeah, I mean that that's it, right? So it's it's um you know if we can put in a performance, maybe grab a goal as long as we don't get destroyed, um and we have a good run out and we get a good idea of you know what team might start next week, um. And the the kind of formation we're going to play and that kind of thing. See a few of the new signings. I think that'd be pretty good. Yeah, well, is Matt Miazga able to playing that match? I mean, there's no reason why really. I is would it is because it's, yeah. it's not a competitive game, but I don't know if he will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tom seems to be doing quite well though. So I, mean, I don't think there's anything in the. I don't think there's anything in the FA rules which says he can't play because it's not a competitive yeah. game, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, it would be good if he could play a match there. I mean, now he's been playing some matches probably for Chelsea anyway and some friendlies in their lone farm that they've got. But um, I do think he needs to play a game. It would be good for him yeah. to actually get back on the pitch with uh, all the rest of the players. And it gives a bit of a boost to the fans as well, seeing him there. Yeah, He's going to have a tough game on Sunday, though. I mean, you've got some real quality in that Chelsea team. <laughs> That's going to be hard going. The thought of Charlie Adams against that uh, Chelsea midfield. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit scary and David Myler-esque last season. I remember seeing him in that friendly against Crystal Palace and I do remember thinking I didn't realise he was that slow. Having said that, I want to see Adam play at least some minutes because, again, mm. going into the season, not having seen him at all and knowing that we have as weak a midfield as we do, I'd be more worried than if we see something from him. 
Um, oh, brilliant if we do. Yeah. Totally. So I, ho- I hope he gets at least, you know, some time, um, even if it's late on, uh, just to get a bit of a run out and see whether he's got anything anymore or not. Um, yeah, hopefully he can still move slightly. <laughs> we would hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, hopefully we'll do something. And um, I will be at the match. I'll be doing probably a periscope uh, after the match and uh, doing a podcast next week in a pre-season one. And there could be some other stuff coming up. So I'll let you know about that. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. And uh, we will be back soon. Cheers. <laughs>